This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of asking how are you, I'm going to ask if you could cast a spell, what spell would you cast? I would cast a spell to have an extra day each week. (laughs) That was fast and needed no thought. (laughs) We have been very busy, but we are really uh, excited to take a moment to discuss uh, something that I think I'm obsessed with. We'll see how long I'm obsessed with it, but I'm certainly obsessed with it in this moment. Uh, We're going to be talking about the movie Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Important to me that it's not Doctor Strange and, but rather in right it's a really different fun title like no 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 it's it they're not co-starring he's in it he's in the multiverse <laughs> of madness uh we're also going to do something a little bit uh different for this episode uh a lot of times uh, i write up the notes in him uh, sort of the lead uh, interviewer and then we we discuss together uh for the films i have just become more and more obsessed <laughs> which makes sense for the podcast uh, where I spend spend just a ton of time writing up the notes and writing little uh, mini, uh, honestly, papers on every theme where I state the theme and then I, I write out all the supporting evidence. And then uh, sometimes I'm really good at framing that into a conversation. And uh, <laughs> to criticize myself, sometimes I list a lot of deep thoughts that I have about the film. And I'm just like, what do you think? <laughs> and it's not uh, not always fair, but usually uh, a good discussion. We saw this movie on uh, Friday. We are recording on Sunday morning. We really wanted to talk about it. And Sarah kindly offered to say, like, I'll write up the notes and I'll interview you and we'll have a little bit of fun doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, maybe I've written up some themes, maybe not. We'll see what happens. It's just going to be a, a fun, similar, but slightly different approach for talking about this movie. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'm excited to dive in. I will hand the uh, the talking majesty to you. Yay, I get the microphone. Yes. I mean, we, I get a microphone anyway. <laughs> exactly. My like microphone is now has its little like lead on yeah. it. There we go. Exactly. Okay. Um, So I just wanted to start with some caveats, um, (laughs) because this is what we do. And I feel like you, that wasn't really a caveat. That was just a like FYI. Yeah. Um, Here's kind of the setup. But um, two, I have two caveats to start with. And as we know, I always reserve the right to add additional caveats as the podcast goes on. Your caveat is to add caveats. It is. So I guess I have three. That's number one. Number two is that we have, um, we have only seen it once. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then three, um, hopefully obvious, but um, spoilers, massive, massive spoilers. (laughs) We're going to talk about the whole film. And so if you haven't seen it and you care about getting absolutely everything spoiled, don't listen yet. Yeah. Hit pause, go see the movie and then come back and listen after you've seen it. At the end, Doctor Strange becomes a cat. That's an example of the kind of spoiler we'd say if it's true, but it's not. That one's not. You can still pause, go watch the movie, and then come back. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So um, let's dive in. I just wanted to start with setting the stage for our experience of viewing the film. Yeah. Uh, so we went and saw it on opening night, 
at the Chinese theater here in Hollywood. And it was very full. Um, and I already have another caveat, which is that uh, one of the wonderful things about going to these really full, excited theaters where people are cheering and um, having, you know, a thousand people reacting and gasping and all of that is that we miss some lines. Oh, yeah. So um, that's always one of the things that I know both you and I enjoy is uh, getting a chance to come back, watch it again um, at some point in the future. And here's some of those lines that we do miss. So I'm um, so that's part of it. But. There was a pre-show visit um, prior to the show by Kevin Feige, um, Danny Elfman, Sam Raimi, a bunch of other people that I forgot to write down. The writer Michael Waldron. There we go. I have notes here like write these names in and I forgot. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious. Do you enjoy the pre-show visits? Yeah, I really do. I think it is uh, it. There is something that's powerful about it. I mean, there is just the simple. That's that's cool. You know, it is one of the benefits of uh, living in Los Angeles area and then getting home on uh, and seeing on Twitter of like they're in some like speed van and on opening night they go to a, the a seven o'clock and eight o'clock and nine o'clock and nine fifteen like wow. they go to as many theaters across town as possible uh, and that it's kind of just cool to see the creators but there's also something to me that's interesting about it uh, because it is this connection to real humans made this Mm -hmm. and obviously anybody can have any opinion about a film they ever want if it doesn't work for them there's your answer on the opinion level (laughs) done discussion over you didn't enjoy it period sometimes the uh, discussion gets so vitriolic and I have become more and more sensitive to even if you didn't like it even if a lot of people would agree it didn't turn out well people still worked really hard humans worked really hard trying to do a good job Mm. and let's at least have some kindness in our in the way we we uh communicate our criticisms and i think just seeing the humans and and last thing for me for this one in particular is kevin feige is a great kind of uh carnival barker uh mm-hmm. he, he's not that bombastic but he really takes on that that role of i'm the public face too of like hey thanks everybody great team and brings everybody out it was really cool that he I think they brought the editor out as well, like a little bit deeper bench yeah. of creatives. And then for this one, the fact that, uh, you know, Sam Raimi just got a kind of nice, straightforward. Uh, we work really hard. really love it. Uh, hope you guys do. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it passed the mic to Danny Elfman. And Danny Elfman just said, like, I like this movie a, a lot. I hope you like the music. And it was just so understated. And I, I ended up really liking music. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, those were uh, two of my favorite things. And totally agree about having a little bit of the deeper bench and some of the people that don't get called out. And I, I apologize to them um, just in the ether that I didn't catch all of the like seven people that were there. Yeah. So I didn't write down everybody who was there. But um, but it was really great to have uh, a wide variety of people there. Yeah, it was just really like the people who work hard on this movie are all the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So turning to the actual film itself, what did you know going in? Oh, wow. Um, I knew that uh, I had watched the first trailer. Um, so I knew that uh, Wanda was in it, obviously, uh, and played a large role. Um, I knew that the first trailer had the kind of the setup of the Illuminati and had Patrick Stewart's voice. So I was like, oh, wow, they're they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mystery of that was, are they trying to, they, we know that Marvel owns, uh, got the rights back to Fantastic Four and X-Men and are folding them in. Mm-hmm. So the kind of the question for me going in is, 
is this just a bit of fun we can have because it's the multiverse and any of these characters can exist in multiple timelines? You know, Patrick Stewart can be uh, Charles Xavier in multiple timelines. Or is this like, we are going to actually try to bring in the established Sony X-Men characters into So there is that unknown of what's how is this being handled? Yeah. And then, unfortunately, uh, I didn't have direct spoilers, but I kept seeing um, both uh, Reed Richards and Captain Carter trending. Mm. So I kind of assumed that they would pop up. Okay. Beyond that, I, I managed to stay a little bit farther away. I there was another trailer that came out that people were like, why did they put that in the trailer? And it's like, okay, I'm not watching it. So I went in knowing a, a little bit less. I really didn't know anything about the plot structure or mm-hmm. what was really at stake other than Dr. Stranger is going to have a difficult day. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate title, Dr. Yeah. Stranger's very difficult day. <laughs> and he did. And he so did. did Wanda. He did. They both did. Um, yeah, that's very similar um, to my knowledge going in um, as people who've listened to this before. No, I don't have a deep bent knowledge of Marvel beyond uh, what is on the screen for the MCU. And I I don't like watching a bunch of trailers. So basically I had, um, I think I did see the first trailer, but it was long enough ago that I forgot what was in it. Um, so my knowledge is from seeing billboards mm-hmm. and also trying to not look at them too carefully. <laughs> so my commute, um, I, there's a giant Disney billboard that has been Doctor Strange for a while. And Doctor Strange was on it. Wanda was on it. And I knew she was in it. And I have been both wanting to enjoy looking at it, wanting to, wanting to look at it, and also not really wanting to look at it. Oh, the billboard. The in billboard. case there, you because started I, piecing things together. Yeah. Like, I wasn't entirely sure... I was pretty sure there would be other characters in it, but I wasn't sure who. And so I was like, I'm just, you know, it's, it's very big and red. And so it's, and I haven't had a lot of, um, being stuck at stoplights near it. So I haven't like (laughs) had that it's in front of me and I must look. And it was really fun yesterday, um, driving home from work and being like, oh, now I can actually take in the billboard and not just be like, look, Dr. Strange, Wanda, don't look. Which I hadn't realized how much I was doing. Yeah, now you can like look at it and celebrate it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And one of the big surprises to me was um, I knew Wanda was in it um, and Scarlet and Scarlet Witch. I did not realize that she was the big bad. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Just to get big band aid off the uh, the spoilers. Yeah, very much uh, agreed. I think for me, a part of going into it was I so love the first uh, Doctor Strange film. Mm-hmm. I love it. it's kind of a, a story of being middle aged and being like you lost something something in your life changed that you can't put back the way it was. Mm-hmm. But you have this opportunity to do something different and still help and, and maybe in a more selfless way. And that was so well developed. So I was really excited to see where they would take that. I've been excited for the Doctor Strange sequel for a long time. And then I was really curious how they were going to handle Wanda because she did seem to uh, go through some amount of healing, but was left with the knowledge that her children were alive and in possession and or being possessed by an evil book. Mm-hmm. So there's all this stuff kind of hanging up there. I was really excited about it. And then the trailer came out and the stuff with Wanda by the apple orchard or cherry orchard was really um, intriguing. But then the rest of it had a lot of just like clips of evil Doctor Strange messing up the multiverse and we had seen that in that what if episode right so i admit like my i never didn't want to see it or thought it wasn't going to be good but my enthusiasm level for this film is like 
I don't, there wasn't anything in that trailer other than I'm excited to see Strange and, and Scarlet Witch's journeys continue. There wasn't anything else in it that made me go like, all right, let's go. Like, the Patrick Stewart thing was fun. Yeah. So that, I I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it informed how much I loved the movie because I didn't have sky-high expectations or baggage. It was just like, I really like these two main characters. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with them? And I was really then jazzed to discover that Wanda is the, uh, uh, not even say the villain, the antagonist. Yeah. And yeah, what, what was at stake for Strange and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Antagonist is a, a very good word for that. Um, so the film, jumping a little bit into the film, uh, the film included characters that people who watch the MCU know, such as Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, Wong. Um, new to me was America Chavez. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, is she a character that you were aware of? What, talk talk about your response to, to this character that was new to me. Yeah, no, this is a, a lesson in accepting evolution, which has been happening a lot with the... Uh, the superhero and the comic book films is like, I grew up with a lot of these characters in the eighties and nineties and every once in a while, pick up a book or become aware of some uh, larger lore. And it's this weird, like I want to be aware of not uh, having that kind of like ownership, right? Cause I grew up as I am a comic book nerd and that's generally not to be spoken of unless you find another comic book nerd was the culture I grew up in, which has mm-hmm. thankfully changed. But then for years and years as movies came out, it was like, here's finally a great Captain America. Here's finally a great Thor. Here's the Avengers together. And it felt like, ah, this is what I, a comic book nerd, have been waiting for. These movies are for me. And as the films are developing, uh, they are using deeper bench characters, and they're using characters that are much more modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I knew the name America Chavez. Yeah. And I didn't know anything else. And that is happening a lot more. And it is a great opportunity for me to practice evolution and go and not be grumpy and go, who's she? Who cares? Like a ton of people care. I don't know her because I stopped actively reading comic books (laughs) in the 90s, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is a long answer to your good question. I didn't know. uh, I knew the name. I didn't know anything else about her. Yeah. Well, what did you think? I loved the character. I thought she worked. uh, I don't know her comic book roots. I haven't read any of the you know, 18 million uh, explainer articles. I really, truly am just interacting with what I saw in the film. I thought the character was compelling to be wrestling with some of the same kind of issues of guilt and can I fix it? And should I, how do I handle the responsibility of having truly gargantuan powers? Kind of some of the similar things that Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange are wrestling with but from the perspective of a fresh young person starting out in the multiverse (laughs) and also feeling kind of isolated and alone because of what her powers are and never knowing who to trust and if she can ever be close to anyone or be part of a community. Uh, So all those kind of ideas that were attached to her was great. And then the actor, who I apologize, I haven't written down or or memorized her name, uh, was just charming, great, amazing, popping off the screen energy. Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I I absolutely, I also did not, as I said, did not know um, of of the character of America Chavez, but absolutely loved her very much what you were saying of the fresh pr- perspective. But I also liked that she kind of had, um, like she was the one with multiverse smarts, mm-hmm. even though she couldn't control getting 
getting through them or thought she couldn't. She was the one who's like, no, this is how like this is how you need to react when you're in a new multiverse or a new, I guess, a new universe. Um, and I like that she was able to kind of guide Dr. Scrange in particular. Yeah, like, she was oh, Professor Multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like that kind of that um, kind of uh, that two-tiered side of many sides um, of her being both kind of younger and trying to figure out her her powers, having this fresh perspective. Um, like you were saying, really not knowing who to trust, um, but then also really having, you know, what we would call street smarts. And mm-hmm. it, that was just like leaping off the screen that she has that, even though um, to the characters that we're with in the universe, she's new to them. Yeah. But like, oh, but this person absolutely has uh, smarts that we don't have. And a lot of smarts that we do, we have, even though we don't know her. And I just liked that like introduction of, we don't know everybody who has powers, who has abilities and people have learned life lessons that we might think is limited to our little group. Yeah. I really love that perspective because in some ways, yeah, she is the audience identifying character in some ways because we do know more about multiverses. <laughs> you want to talk about multiverse? Let's talk about the Mirror Universe and Star Trek. Let's talk about this, you know, the DC multiverse. You know, like kind of uh, the audience has become very savvy about what different rules for multiverses might be. So it's kind of fun to identify with America that way. Mm-hmm. Other thing I, I wanted to be sure to say about her is um, I, I l- just loved the visual of her powers, the kind of big punch in the star shape. Yeah. You know, it, that's just a uh, such a part of what makes the language of comic books and superheroes interesting. And it's kind of like the entry point. And sometimes it's the point that, you know, when filmmakers want things to be more serious, kind of can shove to the side. And I think the modern version of Marvel and Sam Raimi in particular are people who want to celebrate that sort of like the powers are cool. The visual iconography of the powers are cool. To me, it just makes me relate to why I like superheroes when I was a kid before you kind of got into the depth of them and you'd just be like, I like Captain America. He has a shield and he throws it. Iron Man has a suit and he can fly. Hulk is very strong. His (laughs) pants are purple and stay on no matter what. It's just sort of your, your entry level to be fascinated with the characters is like, the visual iconography of their powers. Oh and my like, gosh, yeah. She punches star-shaped holes in reality. Yeah. Is just bleeping cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that is such a such a good point of both the coolness factor for watching it, for seeing it, but also for an entry point, like flash and the lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly. It's not always there. But <laughs> um fantastic. Uh so I want to jump to one of the major spoiler <laughs> so we haven't had spoilers already but one of the things that you talked about and i think one of the things that people are concerned about being um spoiled right away about the film and the illuminati yeah so um in the film they're in another universe and there's this uh group of people called the illuminati which features a bunch of um, cameos that I think a lot of audiences were very excited about. Yes, that was a part of the film that we did not hear uh, (laughs) any of the dialogue or the music. The credits rolled, and it it had the credit to the 97 X-Men animated uh, theme, which is a very popular, recognizable piece of music. And uh, you and I and and our other friend that we were there with is like, where was that? Like, oh, that was on Xavier's entrance, and we didn't hear it at all we heard only thunderous applause yeah yeah so let's talk about the illuminati who was there if they were who you expected (laughs) um how you felt about it 
Yeah, oh, it was really, really fun. I think I am, uh, at this point, we've had these conversations. We have these conversations a lot um, on my Star Wars podcast, Four Center. Uh, you and I had them about uh, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home, and I think largely larger about MCU, is uh, there's this tension about characters popping up. And are they popping up for an emotional reason? Or are they popping up, as some critics feel, for like a quick nostalgia dopamine hit of I recognize them Mm -hmm. and this was really fun for me because I think it was like somewhere perfectly in the middle they absolutely made narrative sense they were important and necessary to the story Mm -hmm. if you if you know this the narrative that a version of Doctor Strange realized that this multiverse exists and needs extremely powerful extremely uh virtuistic heroes to band together to be a council on it like Mm -hmm. that's utterly necessary to the narrative about every version of strange is a threat to the multiverse uh (laughs) so much so that a version of strange set it up and then defied it incredibly important to the film there's no way that you can look at that council and say that council was just thrown in but once you narratively need that council then you have this really fun opportunity to populate it with uh, characters that may or may not be one-offs. And that's what's really interesting to me about uh, this collection of, of people. I thought it was fun and it made sense. Captain Carter had been, you know, created for the What If series. So you mm-hmm. can imagine it. that's the same Captain Carter or a different one. Uh, Haley Atwell and, and the character of Peggy Carter has been one of my favorites from the beginning. So that was absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing a, any version of Reed Richards, uh, fans have been demanding John Krasinski is Reed Richards, so that was fun to have it be like, was that a hey fans, we gave you what you've been demanding for this film for a few minutes, and then Scarlet Witch <laughs> blew his mind, and that's it, or he's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I personally, and then with with Xavier, I personally want them to just start fresh and create their own X Men. Mm. and use the multiverse to bring him in but like i love everybody who's been ever been involved but i just like set aside the baggage of that other universe and create new x-men so it was fun for this one time to see the classic perfect casting of charles xavier Mm -hmm. and then for me it was like a deep bench having read uh, a lot of x-men comics a lot of scarlet witch comics to see xavier go into scarlet Witch's mind was like that's just like that's the stuff, man. <laughs> right? Wasn't that scene amazing? Yeah. So yeah. there's a, a ton of, uh, I liked about it. Um, Black Bolt is a character that I've known for a long time. That done sketches about. He's he's just such a great comedy character. Of uh, if if you have like we we did a bunch of sketches at conventions, friends and I, where you would have councils of superheroes, and Black Bolt would be on the council, and there'd be the joke like, "What do you think, Black Bolt?" And he just shrug like can't speak <laughs> so for me it was like literally seeing a sketch come true oh how nice uh yeah i'm, I'm rambling about it because there's a bunch that i really enjoyed about it but here's here's the it had this sense of fun of this is an opportunity to have our cake and eat it too mm. some of these characters like captain carter we might see again she mm-hmm. might have her own film her own disney plus show the others are like this is a one-off and scarlet witch is going to murder all of them so they can kind of be anything Mm -hmm. and we had our cake and we ate it too yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are all great. And I also want to just throw out uh it was so great to see Latasha Lynch as Captain Marvel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, and, and that was that was a really fun one because you can Excuse see me. uh was that sorry, I Lashana Lynch. Yeah, Lashana Lynch. That was really fun because uh, she's a phenomenal actor enjoying her in the MCU and she was great in uh, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was it it was also one of those fun ones to just be like, Oh yeah, no, we could see how the her proximity to Carol Danvers and their similar life path, how she could have ended up Captain Marvel. Is yeah. Like that's just, that's one of those little moments that uh, I think reward spending a lot of time in the storytelling universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I had follow-up questions, but you've answered all of them. So, <laughs> no, that's Sorry. great. I well, love it. I you love are doing it. a great job interviewing, but I also <laughs> want to make sure that we do hear your thoughts. Did you have any feelings about the Illuminati? I really enjoyed it. So I had not heard of the Illuminati or had forgotten if I had heard about them. So it was just like, what? What? And uh, I mean, I'm a, a huge Peggy Carter fan. And so getting to see Captain Carter was just like, okay, wonderful. <laughs> And now we get other very exciting, you know, as I just said, you know, Captain Marvel, getting to see a different Captain Marvel was very exciting. I I will be honest, I know nothing about the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Nothing. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. But people are super excited about this one, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, having Patrick Stewart as uh, Xavier was just like, what? The... No fair. This is beyond fun now. Yeah. But was just, it, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed it from a storytelling perspective, like you were talking about before, of um, the idea of that Strange in this universe has set up this council and that it wasn't um, just kind of the how I, sorry, I'm kind of um, talking all over myself here. Yeah. I really liked the um, looking at their battle with Thanos of that they still had a battle with Thanos and what happened and their perspective and their experiences with it because it was, sounds like it was, you know, still obviously big, very hard to defeat battle, but it was different. Mm-hmm. And it should be, it's a different universe and there's different things in the different universe. But still, I really found that to be an interesting exploration of like, we're not going to go far. We're just going to talk about how it affects us, how it affects strange because you need that information for this film but it's it's the tip of the iceberg and it's hinting at so much more and it was to me just a really great um opening for letting people um especially i would say like myself who don't have a deep knowledge of multiverses and how different stories are told from different universes perspectives to just have that like ooh, but what about this just think about it for a little bit and it's one of those things that i was like that would be so fun. Like imagine being on the playground or, you know, driving to work yeah. and just being like, well, what would that be like? So I really liked it as just like a little door opener. I think that's really great because I think that's another example of why this, uh, you know, strange experiment, not Dr. Strange, <laughs> uh, this wild experiment of the MCU continues to be rewarding because you went through the Thanos journey, right? Mm-hmm. With those characters. We were in the theater when Infinity War ended and it said, you know, Avengers will return or whatever. And the person next to us stood up and said, how they all turned to dust. We emotionally (laughs) went through that. So it adds power to like, these people went through a version of that too. The thing you're really making me think of, which I like as well, is I think one of the, the big issues in this film is Strange always wants to hold the knife in Strange's, the Doctor Strange from our universe that we've mm-hmm. watched 
you know, watched 14 million plus versions of events and is dead certain that his way to defeat Thanos was the only way. And that's one of the crucial issues between him and Scarlet Witch of like, you made the decision that a bunch of other people had to sacrifice and there was no other way. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to, to have the sort of thought of experiment of like, well, in their in their universe, the Illuminati's universe, mm-hmm. it was still deadly, painful. Sacrifice was still required, but they did find a different way. Is that because things were different in their universe, or is our strange wrong? Yeah. And does is that part of what leads him to his uh, epiphany at the end of like, I have to try a different way. I can't. I can't hold the knife and be certain that my way is the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wasn't that great? Yeah. And uh, I think it's time to talk about themes. Ooh, you're <laughs> <laughs> so excited. <laughs> Big ideas of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So um, so you just brought up one about um, kind of the idea for Strange of having to hold the knife, having to be in control. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that's one of the large themes of the movie? I think so. I think that this is an, I think for me, the, the, idea of the first Doctor Strange film, which mm-hmm. I think kind of catapults into this, is the idea that some things can't be fixed. And can you accept that? Mm-hmm. And Strange has a bit of a God complex, right? And the watch comes to this in to symbolize his hands and his lost life that like those things changed. You can't change them back. Uh, but now we're catching up with him and he's you know, he's been a hero. He's made mistakes, but he's made sacrifices. He's sacrificed any sort of personal life, but he has these alleged rewards of people applauding for him, which is, it seemed like what he kind of wanted is an egotist to be like, yeah, everybody knows I'm the best. And that, that stuff all seems like dull and great to him. And it, instead, he wants some more personal fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this great uh, uh, idea between him and wanda of like if we have this much power can't we just fix whatever's broken and i think that what's really uh uh, fascinating to me about the film is uh them both finding a way to let it go Mm -hmm. um into uh, like at in the at the end of this film when he fixed the the watch face at first, I wasn't sure about it because I so love this idea of like, he keeps that watch out to remind himself, some things break and it's okay, you can't fix them. Mm-hmm. But he goes through this journey where he is trying not to be what every version of him in the multiverse tends to want to be, <laughs> which is, I will use my power to control it. Mm-hmm. I will, I have power, so I will use it. I will take other people's power because only I can, <laughs> only I can fix it, right? Right. And this idea that, Maybe you can fix things, but it's more about moving on from them. Mm-hmm. And it's not an acceptance that you can't fix things unless you're able to move on from them. And I feel like that's what happens with both Strange and Wanda's primary traumas, mm-hmm. that Strange wants to be with Christine. And he finally accepts that he truly can't because the time has passed, the ships that crossed in the multiverse... <laughs> but by him being able to just say, like, I love you, I kind of think Christine loves him, but it is never going to work out for mm-hmm. a, a multiverse of reasons. And that is fixed. Mm-hmm. That relationship is fixed, but it's time to put it away instead of spending the rest of his life brooding on it. Right. 
And I think there's a little bit of a mirror with Wanda where like it is devastating that she lost vision in this multiverse and that she can never have her her children. Mm-hmm. But her but the the children that she wants to be with exist happily with another mother. And she accepts that finally. Yeah. 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 So I think a lot of it is about uh, not just accepting what you can't fix, but finding a way to move on from it so you can have the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that struck me during the film was how many times the question, are you happy, was used as like a sounding bell throughout it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like related to everything that you're just that you're saying is um, about being able to move forward is that feeling of knowing yourself and being honest with yourself. Mm. And I feel like that it could be seen as a theme itself or interdependent with um, moving on. But to me, that is one of the other big things is um, developing an awareness and being confronted, especially with strange with all these different versions of reality. And, but at the end it coming back to like you having that conversation with yourself and just like the number of times, like a gong throughout the movie, the question came up of, are you happy? Are you happy? And I don't think it was about happiness as we would be like cheerful, you know, like being the goal. And, um, you know, I don't fault like, yes, you're at Christine's wedding. Say yes. <laughs> this is this is not about you. <laughs> this is not the time to like go into a whole other thing. Strange. I know you want to introduce me to your husband. But first, I just want to tell you how I really wish that you and I could have worked it out. Like, right? yeah, Come on, strange. Not the time, not the place. Read exactly. the room. Um, so I feel, you know, so it's not like, but at Read the same. Read the reception room, literally. <laughs> exactly. But I also feel like, um, but it was really interesting to me that that was one of the, it was one of the things that stuck with me at the end of the film was how much that um, refrain kept coming up. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons that for me, I like, I, I understand people wanting um, other movies and superhero movies to be in in theaters. <laughs> mm. uh, but why I continue to get a lot of enjoyment out of them is the the, the pop culture thrill and the, the great... Uh, fantasy and coolness of having powers but that they keep asking these questions of like yeah i mean you're this is a real good what is it to be a hero mm-hmm. of I, I love that like uh christine's husband is a fan of him that one of the goals on the table kind of said in a cheeky way but still having value of are you back on the lunchbox right this kind of idea that being a hero should be fulfilling mm-hmm. saving the galaxy <laughs> the multiverse saving one person mm-hmm. should be fulfilling right uh you have accolades from other people so it's this sort of externalization and i think what this film is, is you know dabbling with is of course there is some level of fulfillment of like i have power i have a calling i am doing the right thing mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i want this really small human thing that's internal it's great that i am doing the right thing yeah it's great that i I get applauded and i'm on lunch boxes but what i really wanted to see is somebody who truly sees me truly knows me to have quiet moments with Mm -hmm. to walk away from you know a big superhero film and have like the fun and like like hey i want to pretend to be spells but then also like i walked away from this movie going I am so glad that you and I 
just have our lives together mm-hmm. because that's what this film was about. Yeah. Is, you know, that those small moments of true internal happiness. And I love mm-hmm. that even Wong is like, I am so committed to service that that thought hadn't even occurred to me. What a weird question, Strange. Like, he's not being judgmental about it, but he really is like, I am so committed to service. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say about it is an idea that I'm really interested in and is our storytelling evolves of the balance between that a hero means somebody who sacrifices for the betterment of the group, mm-hmm. which I believe in, versus in order to be fulfilled humans, we have to, without being overly selfish, also be be true to ourselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. The individual best serves the group if the individual has some level of contentment rather mm-hmm. than the, you should give up everything and be miserable and alone in a weird mansion mm-hmm. as long as you serve everyone else. To do the best for humanity. Yeah, and that's the yeah. kind of questions it raises in me and, and, and I take to life and think about how do I find the balance of fulfilling myself without being overly selfish and also still try to be there for the larger community or other individuals and mm-hmm. how do you find that balance yeah and i feel like that's what a lot of what was going on in this film because we're dealing with those three characters in particular scarlet witch dr strange and america chavez who have a massive amount of power that is going to affect the rest of the world and what they're consumed with is their their personal loss of individuals in their lives because america is entirely motivated by her lost parents mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. And I really, I think that's such an interesting point, what you were just talking about with people, um, you know, the idea of of service. But I think it's so interesting about what sustains people. And uh, in, I'll just apply this to the, the multiverse, at least, <laughs> of the idea that, yeah, there are people who are absolutely sustained by by their service, by doing what they think is right. And there's other people who love that but that is not enough to sustain them and that both options are valid and i think that that's such a good point that because i'd forgotten that that was Wong's response um and i think that's such so great to have in the midst of this journey with the three characters like you're talking about kind of finding what is it that they need to move forward also having that for some people at least as much as we know Wong, i would side note love to have you know like the Wong TV show or something. I'd love a like, Disney I Plus, would, yeah, Wong, the, yeah, Wong Sorcerer Supreme would be really great. Right? Like, I'd, I, it's one of, he's in so many things, and I also at the same time feel like I don't really know him, <laughs> uh, you know, other than a, in some ways. And so it's one of those things that I um, was thinking about after looking more intently at the billboard the other day. I was like, <laughs> let me think about Wong's internal life. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, but I just, it's so interesting to have that, um, that balance. Yeah, and I and I think that balance between how can I be fulfilled without being selfish is also kind of like the key to this victory that Strange has, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think all through the film he knows like, yeah, I can kind of feel it building in me. It really makes sense that every Doctor Strange in the multiverse would risk breaking and destroying everything to be with Christine because I that's what I want and I... Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and I know I'm probably going to kill this girl eventually like the other one did because it's probably the way and it... And that that it, that Wong, with his perspective of service, mm-hmm. Wong, who's so kind, and his, you know, unfortunately, main role in the MCU have has been to be like, ugh, strange, don't. <laughs> that the power that he's like, we're desperate, we gotta, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it is actually strange taking that moment to go. I am going to try to see outside of myself, 
and say, what have I seen about, what do I know about this person mm-hmm. to get past the assumption that she can't handle her power? Right. And he sees that, oh, you lost your parents with your power. So you're not allowing yourself to know yourself. You are being shy because you have, to your point about the theme of knowing yourself, you've locked a part of yourself away. But I've seen it peek out in you having more power than you realize. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 Stranger's Victory isn't just like, I'll let down the knife and I'll, I'll let you give it a try, kid. He stops thinking about himself and actively thinks and pays attention to what he has seen and learned about America. Mm-hmm. Chavez, not the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what gives him the confidence to go, there is another way. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. That's great. So well said. So one of the things that comes up a lot in this is dreams. Mm-hmm. And the idea is brought forth um, that when you dream, you're actually seeing what's happening in, um, you're seeing connections to our other selves. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, how do you feel about that? How would you feel about your dreams being um, insights into your life and other uteruses? It's one of those ideas that I love. It's such a comic book uh, idea. It's such a fun, pulpy uh, idea because tracks for 20% of my dreams. <laughs> you know, it really tracks for those reoccurring dreams. I thought one of the best jokes is the uh, broken uh, three-eyed Doctor Strange saying, yeah, if you have those dreams where you're falling, yeah, that's probably me. Like, <laughs> right. that's great to realize, like, oh, wow, there's that, that tortured... Uh, I have the recurring dream, as I know I've told you in real life, uh, where uh, I have an opportunity to perform at a really cool place and I just didn't know or wasn't told or forgot and didn't prepare anything. Like the one that always haunts me is a dream I had many years ago where I uh, had an opportunity to do a comedy variety show in front of the pyramids in Egypt. And I just didn't know. I just got there and people were like, well, you, you ready to do the show? I'm like, oh, this could have been so cool. <laughs> and I didn't know. So maybe there's some version of me who just constantly forgets uh, that they have shows coming up and just doesn't prepare anything. That I can believe. Yeah. But then those other dreams that are just like, you try to put them in words, but they don't translate into words. They're emotions. Like, yeah, yeah, I had that dream where the car died, but the car was also a rectangle and uh, and my father, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, I, I went down a tunnel, but it wasn't really a tunnel. It was like the idea of a circle. Like, you know what I mean? It's oh, just, absolutely. So th- it's it's fun to extend it to that and go like, oh, well, maybe that's, maybe those dreams come from like the kind of... uh multiverse that we saw Doctor Strange and uh, in America fall through. They're like, your cubes, mm-hmm. your paper. Like, maybe that's yep. where some of the, like, <laughs> yeah, he was my father and a car. Like, well, there's a universe where <laughs> your father's <Totally>. car. <laughs> that doesn't happen in your universe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a really great, intriguing, pulpy idea, and I yeah. love it. Yeah, I love it. I um, The other morning, I shared this with you in real life, but um, I often, when I am supposed to get up and my alarm is going off and don't want to have dreams about what I'm supposed to do before I can get up. And I had a dream that every time my alarm went off, I was supposed to screenshot my phone. And I did. And I woke up and was like, did I actually do that? Oh, yeah. Look, I've got like five screenshots of um, my like phone face uh, because I was trying to not get up. And I love the idea of like, okay, there's some alternate universe <laughs> where that was actually helpful. And that was whatever I needed to get out of um, whatever trapped situation I was in, I needed to be able to produce these screenshots. And I'm like, well, okay, I, 
I hope I helped myself and, you know, getting them in this universe helped that universe. Yeah. And, and there's something about it to hear you describe it and remember that a lot of our dreams that are best of understanding them are working through the issues that that haunt us or organizing our experiences uh, in, in trying to make like emotional sense of them, mm-hmm. which connects to the idea in this film that like, yeah, part of the multiverse is you have different experiences, but you're kind of the same, like your core. <laughs> Yeah. The things you'd have anxiety about or the mistakes you would make are very similar mm-hmm. world to world. So the idea that like it's almost uh, more compelling to think about like what parts of my day to day life are a nightmare for some other Joseph Scrimshaw. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I need to stop con- complaining about traffic so I much. Keep having a dream where he knows he needs to write, but he keeps looking at Twitter and he doesn't even like it. It's upsetting him. Why is he doing it? <laughs> Oh, so one of the things that I noticed throughout the film, if I may move on from dreams, is the presence of water. Mm. Um, So there was, uh, I felt like it was a focal point many times throughout the film. Um, You, it's one of the ways that Wanda moves um, Mm, when she's escaping. We see the water in a teapot turning into like a stormy sea. There's water at the base of the stairs when Dr. Strange and Christine, um, are in that other universe um, where he then uh, actually like um, uh, dream walks into um, his other self, which yeah. we'll talk more about. <laughs> um, and then the um, the cave where Scar- Scarlet Witches, Mount uh, Wondagon, I believe, um, at the end is a desert and there's no mm. water. So here's my question for you. Did I see water everywhere because I'm obsessed with water? <laughs> or do you also feel like water and the absence of water um, is, is there's a commentary to it? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe for me that there is this uh, feeling of uh, primal forces. I think I think water is really fascinating in films because our relationship to it is there are images where it is peaceful, uh, where it's amniotic. Uh, mm-hmm. where it is life-giving it is what sustains us and then there's images where it is inescapable it crushes us it's alien we can't uh, you know function within it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so I, I i always love the tension of waters showing up as something peaceful and natural and affirming or something destructive and alien mm-hmm. um i think for me in this film the main way that it grabs me is that Scarlet Witch's powers are not fire-based, but her image is very fiery. And her mm. uh, ideas in this film are, I am, I am letting go of, of my, my anger mm-hmm. and doing anything. And obviously, red with Scarlet uh, Witch. And the idea that then she is moving through this thing that's maybe the antithesis of her. If, if there are images of water that are natural and affirming and amniotic, mm-hmm. that she is... Uh, opposed to those right now she's got her her tagline of i'm not a monster i'm a mother Mm -hmm. um but seeing that she can she's using that reflection something that should be natural and uh affirming to see yourself truly becomes this frightening thing that she is uh uh subverting yeah um and then i think it's also significant that one of the major water moments is opening up the river and slowing her down by flooding her yeah you know by consuming her with this thing that is kind of the antithesis uh, to her visually. And then, great point, I hadn't thought about that. Her home is something that's uh, isolated and desolated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love that I threw this at you and you turned it into an entire theme. Thank you. <laughs> uh, can I, do, do you mind if I say something about her home? Please. This was one of the, because I just, uh, maybe you have it on your list. Go for it. one of the other ideas matter. that I really liked in the film, because it's a little thing that's threading through, um, about this idea that um, even if you feel like you are utterly lost, sometimes you might be on the path you need to be to get where you're going. Mm-hmm. Or the idea that maybe we are overly obsessed with having very specific laid paths that create this perfect narrative of our lives and that we have to accept that sometimes we kind of bounce from place to place and end up where we need to go. But it, it was really powerful to me because because that was one of Strange's epiphanies about America Chavez of like of realizing you have more power control over your power than you think. You have this subconscious power because you've taken us where we need to go every mm-hmm. time. In that mirrors Strange's journey where he's like, I, all I want to be is a successful surgeon married to Christine. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. But then these other things happened and I can look at it as a disruption of my life or I can look at it as like, well, those are the events that had to happen to take me to where I needed to be. Even his sort of uh, his solution to the Thanos problem is like, well, this convoluted uh, mess of things has to happen. So Stark has this one moment to make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's this big idea of do you need to be uh, uh, how, how do you get to where you need to be? Mm. And I was really fascinated with it because during the film, when um, when the dark hold was successfully destroyed and, and Scarlet Witch needed to seek out this other place, I was like, why are we, why are we doing this? Is this just kind of to slow her down to stall her? And then when it was like, no, it's so she could discover where her seat of power was, the place where she truly belonged. Mm-hmm. And in a story about multiverses where it's like, can we just hop from one to one? Or is there a place that we're supposed to be? There's, I, I have to see the film again to really kind of pick it apart even more. But I really liked that thought starter of um, where do we really truly belong? And how do we know if we're on the path to get there? Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, um, are there any other themes um, that you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, I think. Move on from themes. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the big thing is about like, how do you, uh, how do you use your power and how do you uh, not just accept that something is broken? <laughs> how do you move past it so you mm-hmm. can have the rest of your life? Yeah. And I think that is what's going on. You know, America accepting like, yep. Uh, my my parents are I I push them through a portal, but I I have to stop letting that be the only thing that defines me, mm-hmm. you know. And Doctor Strange, saying, I have to stop uh, letting uh, my longing for Christine be the only thing that defines me. Yeah. Um. And then with Scarlet Witch, I think it's more complicated, uh, which uh, we can talk about if you want. Uh, I'll, I will follow where you want to go, mm. but I think her, um, I know her. Uh, apparent death is uh, going to be a sore subject for lots of fans. So I want to be very sensitive about the way I talk about it. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, seeing um, where uh, uh, seeing her, her children being happy and being able to see what she couldn't see before mm-hmm. is, is an acceptance. That, that was the other, uh, another sort of a uh, uh, moment I think of going where you need to go. Mm. which is that, you know, America knew that she needed to open up this portal so that her children could see her. And so she, they could reflect to her what she's truly doing and that that was the only way 
Yeah. 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 Let's let's um, let's talk about that. For okay. A great. Yeah. And because uh, that's kind of the big defeat is um, you know opening that opening that portal and having her see not the journey of you know I feel like uh, Scarlet Witch was coming at it from the I need to do all these things so that I can go there and be the person that I want to be and the defeat is um, or the realization of self. Um, to get back to to determine to talk about it in those terms is to instead open this portal that America does and have the people that she's trying to get to see what she is doing to try to get there and not who she's trying to be but who she is actively being and I love that idea because I feel like that comes up so much um, in life in story of like I need to do bad things to go to this, to get to this place, to then be a good person. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this, that the idea is, um, and people keep trying to say it to her and she's not hearing it. She's too far into what she's trying to do. Yeah. And I think it's the fear in the children's eyes that she's been trying to get to is the only thing that gets to her. Yeah. And, and it takes a while. Mm-hmm. But then, um, but I love that idea. And seeing the pain that she is literally causing a version of herself, that this is what you are literally doing to yourself, made yeah. visual, made real. Yeah, yeah, made emotional. And you can feel it and you can see it. And all the pain that that you feel, you're causing pain to another version of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the people that you are, yeah, I, I, it is impossible for me to not think about some of the uh, the Star Wars themes and stories. Yeah. Because I... We talk about them so much. It reminded me of it is a dark side story. It is even the way it's talked about of like, yeah, Wanda's making this choice uh, up to a point, but she is possessing and being possessed by the dark hold. Mm-hmm. She made the bad decision to open that book. And as soon as she started to feel what it is, she didn't make the better choice to close it. Right. But now she's down this this road. And mm-hmm. it's this analogy for what we do when we let anger and fear win. And it always starts from this relatable point. And I think that's what makes these stories uh, interesting and complicated and sometimes really challenging. And sometimes mm-hmm. fans don't like them, which I really understand. Because it starts from a relatable point of like, yeah, she lost everything. And people have treated her unfairly. And all she wants are her kids. Why are we making her a villain? That's not really cool. Um, I, I think that's really understandable in the same way that sometimes people feel that way about Anakin. It's like, well, the Jedi just told him not to love people. All he wanted to do is love Padme. But I, what I love about these stories is that's where they start. And then it becomes not about this loving, wanting someone in your life. It becomes about the personal, selfish anger. I want to possess them, even if it isn't good for them. I want to take them. And in this process, I literally become monstrous. I literally can't see myself in the mirror until... My eyes are burning red or yellow. <laughs> There's uh, bloody, wounded, slaughtered people all around me. Like, what? I am doing it for good. Mm-hmm. Where you can truly see yourself. And I think it's one of these massive, massive, big fantasy stories that is such a great analogy for, like, day-to-day life when we can all feel justifiably wounded and then in pursuit of righting those wrongs, we go somewhere that maybe we don't want to go and we can't see it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other thing uh, I love uh, about that, uh, that being the true climax of the film uh, is there's, you know, th- this idea that pops up in culture 
it, for a lot of things, um, which I have really found helpful of you can't tell other people what to do, who to be. Everything from teaching, right? Great teaching and sometimes, you know, counseling or dealing with a friend who has a problem or even a friend who has asks you for advice actively. This idea that all you can do is open the door and then they can choose to go through. It's a better way for teaching, right? You don't want to just hand people the answers. You want to say like, here's one part of the problem. Here's the other part of the problem. How would you solve it? And then the person goes through the door and solves it themselves and they truly know it and they own it. Mm -hmm. All right. Or like if somebody has a problem, all you can say is like, I think you should go through that door. I can't shove you through that door. It won't work if I shove you through that door because I'll be making the choice. You won't. Mm -hmm. So I just love that it was like that literally of like (laughs) America knows where you need to go. She's opening the door. And Wanda, if you walk through, you're going to if you choose to walk through you're going to see the truth mm-hmm. for yourself yeah, actively, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I love that it was literally that. And the other thing I want to be sure to say, because it was one of the things that I just loved so much about this movie, throughout the entire history <laughs> of genre pop culture uh, storytelling, uh, there's always the risk you set someone up to be just bonkers powerful, and then you kind of have to find except for this one more other person that's powerful, or except there's this plant that limits them that we discover. Mm -hmm. I so love that this film traded on Scarlet Witch is the most powerful, period. All we can do is run, and they never back down from it. She slaughtered the Illuminati. (laughs) She slaughtered the best of the multiverse. Mm -hmm. No one was going to be able to contain her. The only way to stop Wanda is to have Wanda change her mind. That was so satisfying on a sort of thematic and a story level. And also just from the, yeah, the powers are cool. The, oh bleep, here comes Scarlet Witch, which the film traded on a lot. And I enjoyed those moments of like, I was being reasonable before. And the, (laughs) you know, all he has to do is open his mouth and say one word. What if he doesn't have a mouth? Like all those quiet moments of like, I am bonkers powerful. That is beside the point. You can try. I just I just love that she was this unstoppable force. Yeah. And only she could stop herself. Yeah. And she's gone down this path where she is so focused and determined that she has is not thinking about what she is doing in the way that everybody else around her expects her to. Yeah. That think they know her. And yeah. And she's just she's going. Yep. She's, yeah, she's going, she's destroying. And yeah, I love that, that it is, she is the only one who can stop herself. It gave the film the, it's a fascinating character thing. It was a sort of, I, I know, uh, I know a lot of people are, are going to not like the Wanda story and have complex feelings. And I want to be really respectful of, of different opinions and, and just really express mine is my opinion and mm-hmm. my reaction and always open. To, I'll, I'll listen and I'll read and I'll hear other takes. It felt to me powerful to like build the Scarlet Witch up is this absolute powerhouse and then not back down on it at all was an interesting character choice it made for really intriguing beats and it made the the whole film to me feel like this runaway train of (laughs) this entire film is run from wanda run from scarlet witch Mm -hmm. until she runs into herself yeah yeah, that's so, so well said. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. How did you feel about Wanda's journey? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um no, I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was fascinating. And to look at it from 
what just looking at what we see in this movie and and what we know from what's happened previously um you know both in the in the movies and in WandaVision of her the um the consuming desire for one thing and the focus on it and i i truly love when she when everybody is when they kind of have this discussion i think fairly early on about the dreams being um a window into the other universes mm-hmm. and her talking about you know no her children are real she dreams about them every night and then every morning she wakes up to the nightmare of which reality. is this universe mm. and it's so powerful and you feel that just despair and also she has come into a big a realization of how powerful she is and feels like no i can change this mm-hmm. i can be the one holding the knife yeah i and then it becomes so determined and so focused on it and um i i found it very fascinating very intriguing a, a very interesting um look at the story of how does one of the Avengers become the person that another one of the Avengers is trying to stop. I know there's been some other versions of that story as well. Um, I honestly, I loved in the other universe that strange was like, no, she's coming and we can't stop her. And they're like, Oh, whatever. She's fine. You're the problem. (laughs) And just the, the lack of belief that this other person could be truly the thing that they can't stop. Yeah. Um, which is true. Which was very, very yeah. true. Yeah. And I know it gets very complex because of the whole long history of Wanda. And, you know, I want to be very respectful that that uh, women might have a uh, a better perspective than I do. So that's part of the reason that I want to be very cautious about. It's my opinion. There is something that is satisfying. I don't always need characters to be right. Mm-hmm. I sometimes want to see flawed characters, even characters I love. It's interesting to see them make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think some people feel like this was a step back from WandaVision. But for me, it really works that in WandaVision, she realized that she was lying to herself and making this fantasy and, and hurting people and stopped and, and legitimately felt bad. But then that the dark cold had a, a power over her and was showing her those children like... Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, <laughs> uh, yeah. once that happens, she would she would do this. And, and for me, there's I guess there's a power in seeing somebody legitimately wronged by the world. Right. People have legitimately treated Wanda very poorly, mm-hmm. taken things from her. She's got that great line of like, yeah, I, I blew Vision's head away. I blew the head away of the man I loved. And it didn't actually contribute to our victory. Ultimately, that was just a thing that happened along the road. And people get to applaud you and Tony Stark, and I'm the bad guy. Like, you can be like, damn, you're right, Wanda. So to just see somebody with uh, limitless power be uh, angry yeah, is satisfying. I don't need the character to be entirely correct because I want characters to be flawed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if, if, if she... I despise this film if they're like, there's no other way, and America Chavez stabbed her through the chest, right? Like, I would hate the film if it ended that way because it does end with Wanda having... Uh, a reckoning with herself on mm-hmm. her own of her own agency. Yeah. But it's just it for me it is really fun and cathartic to see somebody go I have massive power and I've been wronged and I've had all I can take. Yeah. For me that's I I, I want I want the overall message of stories to ultimately be relatively empowering and positive, but I also feel like stories are a safe place to play with those kind of 
feelings. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that kind of, you know, mom and bear feeling of I will do anything to get back to my children with that one small problem that the children she's trying to get to are not actually her children. (laughs) And they already have a mama and it's her. Yeah. 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 No, that's all. That's all great. Um, so we talked a little bit about fear and I want to make sure that we touch on kind of the horror aspects of this. This has been, you know, I'm really curious to see what the conversation becomes, um, of, you know, it has elements of horror. Is it considered, is it considered a horror movie or is it considered not enough of a horror movie? That's not what I want to get into right now, but I just, I know that you are, um, a fan of many different types of horror films and some of those ideas. And certainly when we're talking this much about fear and we're talking about who do you become when you've lost this much sight of yourself and you've taken on this much power or you've turned in this case to the dark cold to a, a dark evil book. Yeah. Um, you know, and then a, a dark cave that is, you know, the seat of your power. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about um, your response to this as a, a lover of horror to the horror element of this film. I absolutely loved it. I think it is a part of the, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of the legacy of uh, comic book and superhero storytelling to kind of borrow from other genres and infuse them through the superhero world. So for me, it felt like a perfect mix of a, of a superhero world. The events that were happening are horror events. Uh, she was, she is a wronged, powerful witch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, consumed by a dark book uh, murdering and possessing people. Mm-hmm. I feel like the language of that story should be the filmic language of horror. Yeah. And for me, it was pitch perfect. I know there's some people who who don't like it or have had the criticism of, uh, you know, Sam Raimi uh, went to the well and did some things that are uh, very familiar from his uh, f- collection of angles, shots, moods, energy. But the thing for me that's about that is Sam Raimi is um, he is someone who uh, holds the baton that has been passed through the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that he's picked up that are kind of uh, uh, Raimi signatures are his spin on early cinematic ideas of horror, specific shots from different movies all compiled that have created this this cinematic language that's part instinct and part our, our reaction to, to we know what that angle is of camera or that kind of movement means right mm-hmm. down to one of my favorite shots in the film uh, or favorite sequences the the when wanda is uh stalking uh when scarlet witch is stalking the other wanda to possess her to dreamwalk uh-huh. into her and it, it's it's the mystical version of there's a, a, a knife wheeling stalker in the house and what corner are they around you know there's going to be a jump scare but it's she's in the reflection yeah. She's everywhere. And then when she gets her, the fact that it's just this great performance of she turns into Scarlet Witch and then looks just very briefly directly at the camera. Like Scarlet <laughs> Witch is so powerful, she can break any reality, including ours, in that she could maybe jump out of the screen and bleep us up if she wanted to. That kind of beat is, I think, this pitch-perfect horror that Sam Raimi is a master of mm-hmm. and maybe like the current crown holder of, but he will pass the horror scepter to other people in the cinematic tradition of fun horror. It's legitimately mm-hmm. scary, but there's it, this slight twinge of camp 
that creates maybe even more than slight that creates this anxiety where you kind of want to laugh you kind of want to recoil you kind of want to root for the horrifying villain you feel empathy for the people being tortured but you're also laughing at them yeah like that's the whole tradition of evil dead and that they even reference uh with uh with bruce uh where he's hitting himself with his own hand which is a thing mm-hmm. that happens famously in, in the evil dead films uh so yeah i loved it i thought yeah. it, it made total sense and was really engaging i love the big ideas of this film of a lot of the MCU films, this is when I want to watch it again right away the most because the individual scenes are so damn fun. Yeah. That I just want to see the scenes again. Yeah. Well, let's let's step away from the big themes and jump into exactly what you said um, and get into some of the individual moments yeah. that we both loved because I know there's, there's many and uh, there's just a lot to talk about with this film. Um, but... I want to bring up one first that was um, I we were sitting in the theater and it started to happen. I was like, what? Really? (laughs) And from there, it just got bigger and to me better and just kept going. I was like, what? No way. And what I am talking about is the music note fight, which uh, if I may just describe it for a moment and lose my bleep in mind is uh so the the notes um doctors it's two of the doctor stranges fighting with each other and they one of them gets the notes like animates them off the um sheet music that has fallen off the piano when he fell into it and he shoots the notes at the other uh doctor strange and then the other doctor strange shoots notes back at him and they like have this massive fight of music notes mm-hmm. and with amazing score throughout of course and it just um it, it this is a thing that you said afterward and i will let you talk about this in a moment but um <laughs> that it's like you've got sam raimi and danny elfman just saying okay we are masters of our craft here let's mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna tell you we're gonna show you yeah and uh it just i cannot wait to see that scene again yeah Talk to me about your feelings. Oh, about yeah, it. there are a couple other favorite moments, but yes, that well, one is oh my lord! There's so many different things uh, that I love about it. One, I think like this movie was really uh, stripped down. This movie was a great, um, uh, uh, a great way to talk about the difference between story and plot. Where story is, you know, what is the journey that the character goes on? What's the beginning and middle and end? Uh, and you could tell the story of this in like three sentences. The plot are, is the mechanics of how it happens. And because the story was tight and and direct, there was room for fun, intriguing plot convolutions. Uh, and, and one of the, the impacts of that is getting to have all these, like, traveling through a multiverse, they're uh, an all-powerful witch in a super strange wizard. Uh, what kind of weird stuff can they do? And this was like that thought experiment of the total antithesis of eh, sometimes in superhero movies, they get a little lazy and they just blast different colored beams at each other. And this was the like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got, uh, uh, you know, a magician fighting himself. What's the most bonkers thing we can come up with? Mm-hmm. It's so inventive. It's so why we tell these stories. It's so they just sitting around in a room with with friends going, what would be cool? What if you could whip notes off? And then on top of all that. The fact that it is Raimi and Danny Elfman who have these storied careers, even more cool, honestly, uh, uh, for us, that Danny Elfman at the beginning of this thing said, I really like this movie, 
I hope you like the music. It was so <laughs> understated. And like, yeah, Raimi, Danny Elfman, they work together. But um, it, I would be happy if neither of these two human beings ever passed away. But this feels like titans of their craft who have worked together forever. And no one, in each, no one another back and forth said, what do we want award shows to play when we die? <laughs> Let's make that scene on purpose. Yeah, and and I, I'm, it's kind of a dark joke. Uh, it, I I but I think you get to a, a point of your life where you know your craft and you know your aesthetic and you know what happens when you swing for the fences. There's a lot of that in in the Return by David Lynch, uh, the Twin Peaks season three, where I don't feel like he was trying to like sign his last work and be done. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot that's just like. There's something about it that's looking back and summarizing the power of what I have done and created. In this scene was just cool if anybody made it of wizards fighting with music. Yeah. But such a powerhouse of their style that it was cool, scary, funny, campy, that it was using like the classic like horror, Dracula's coming down the stairs music. Like, right. God, it was yeah. great. Yeah. Yay. Um. What are some other favorite moments of yours? <laughs> uh, the uh, Cape of, of Dead Souls. Like, that's another, like, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it was appropriate for the sort of it's a horror movie. I think it also just really worked as the, uh, on a thematic level, where Strange is like, I know I have all these dark tendencies. I should be resisting them. And Christine giving like, this is one where you can lean into it. Make the flaw a strength. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll turn all the dead souls into a <laughs> cape that can punch people. It's so great. Right. Uh, I could go on and on about that one. Uh, and then uh, the uh, <laughs> the martini moments. That's what I was trying to tee yeah, up Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, I, I very much enjoy, honestly, truly, I enjoy uh, gin martinis uh, with a twist. Uh, they're my favorite drink. Uh, most of the time, outside of uh, Bond uh, having a twist sometimes, uh, martinis everywhere are olives. People have kindly drawn things for me for like advertising purposes, and I always have to go back and like, I know it's more recognizable with an olive, but I'm a twist. Could you <laughs> could you draw it with a twist? So to see you know Doctor Strange uh, drinking a martini with a twist, our audience was applauding for everything, so I applauded for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I maybe startled some people around us, fair enough. But then that it ended up in one of my favorite sequences ever of like, uh, I'm a superhero. Uh, there's a problem. I'm going to finish slamming my martini with a twist and then flip over a railing and be caught by my cape. Dream come true. Uh, so I'm kind of enthusing about it and joking about it. But the other thing that I want to say is like, it's moments like this that are like, this is why I care about representation. Like I get to see so many people over the years uh, who look like me. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people who don't understand why representation is important. It's just powerful to see a part of yourself. Something as dumb as that's my favorite cocktail just exploded inside me with joy. And like, I want everyone to feel that about every little thing. That's mm-hmm. why I want representation of all kinds. It, it, I, it, I don't, I hope people understand what I'm saying. I'm not, <laughs> you know, it, it's a silly little thing for me to see a drink I like. But me being that affected by something small really makes me understand how much people need to see themselves on screen. It is so powerful and it is so good and everyone deserves it. A hundred percent agree. 
Um, so I have a few quick questions before we move toward the end of this. And um, if we can kind of do our lightning round of questions. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but not to cut off your martini and certainly not to cut off uh, your comment about representation because absolutely I think that's a, a great point and it's great for people like yourself who've had a lot of opportunities to see people that reflect you um, in many ways on the screen to also have that understanding of um, what what it feels like to to actually see yourself. Yeah. Um, and what people might be missing in the grand scheme as well as the the little scheme. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we passed through um, at the when uh, the first time that America and Dr. Chavez, Dr. Chavez, <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming soon, <laughs> Dr. Strange um, kind of jumped through the 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 process of going through the multiple universes and they passed through quite a few different yeah. universes. Um, is there one of those that you were like, ooh, I want to go back to that one. Oh, the 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 kind of sketchy animated one. That's always fun. Ooh, I fun. mean, they've done that with the with uh, into the Spider Verse. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with that's a very animated uh, universe. Uh, there was that one. I like seeing the weird kind of cubey one because it. Uh, I like weird cubes, and also like it was this moment of like. Is that what Thanos did to a bunch of the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War? Remember, like he turned <laughs> he Drax into a like a, a mess of cubes. Yeah, was that like what he was doing? Of like, I'm going to make your reality into this other dimension's reality. You're going to be a cube guy for a few minutes. Oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> that's so great. It's actually one of the scenes that I would like to see again because there were so many that I was like, wow, yeah, ooh, yeah, no, ooh. Um, so I would love to go through it again. I actually liked the one where they ended up. No surprise to anybody because hey lots of greenery and really looking at how the urban spaces and the nature interact together mm-hmm. love that always one that i'm gonna choose is like look nature growing on the buildings yeah um plants growing on the buildings i also just i this is a small detail but i really liked it um of the kind of just real quick for um america showing dr chavez don't assume anything yeah of that he started to walk on green he's like yeah. oh we walk on red. And I is there a thing like that to you that you think would be really hard, just so built-in instinctual, if you were suddenly in a different universe? Yeah. Oh, that's a really, really good uh, question. Yeah, I think if anything that... Um, like, what if you are in a world where the basic functionality of anything was breaking it? Like, if you had to enter a door, you broke it. Oh, wow. Right? Like something like that that's just sort of of like almost a a one-to-one flip of like something that you're like, it's subconscious. You don't think about, right? It's not like, oh, this is the first time I'm learning it. So I watch the YouTube video and I memorize the, it's in your gut. Like, and that's what I love about the the, uh, light example of like, this is a sort of a cultural agreement that is, I don't know the science, maybe it's innate or maybe we've just built it up so much that well, green is a color means go and red means stop. Red means caution. You know, it, it's such a great example of those kind of assumptions mm-hmm. that other things might be true, but that might be different. And then I love that it gets called back on of like, go on red. And I, it's a good joke. It's a good moment, but it also sort of supports this like wrestling with uh, what we're saying about the dead soul cape of uh, Im- embracing imperfections or differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, 
I we have talked about a lot of the other little questions just in the flow <laughs> that I had set up. But I want to know, are there other things that you particularly wanted to talk about or mention? Oh, uh, no, I think I, I think I got out a lot of uh, my favorite things. I, I also did. I, I continue to really love uh, the way they've built up that the Avengers are known. Uh, they are looked up to. They are commodified. So it's. It has thematic resonance and importance, but the it's a way to get back on the lunchbox is a great, uh, great turn of phrase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll say two things about the ending, about the ending beats. Oh, please. Um, I felt like it was, yeah, it's it's set up for Doctor Strange's story isn't done, which I like him having a, a trilogy like some of the other heroes who've mm-hmm. had their own movie. Um, I, I really love the third eye popping on because to me, this film did have a lot going on it was a superhero movie but it also had the language in the structure of a horror movie mm-hmm. uh in some ways this movie is like there there's a, a a killer in the house and it's just no there's a there's a scarlet witch in the multiverse <laughs> and you're trying to get away from her uh and the fact that it ended with the one more scare of the eye the film proper and then it had its you know credit scenes and all that that felt really appropriate to me of a horror sting yeah. Dan on. Final thing for me is I think part of what informs me about uh, my feelings on Scarlet Witch and Wanda is I just don't think that's the end. Mm-hmm. They've invested a lot in this uh, character um, that for me is like these these are uh, fantasy rules. Yep. It looks like she brought her whole world down on herself. Fulfilling that prophecy of I will destroy or save. And she saved. Mm-hmm. everybody by destroying those dark hold spells mm-hmm. uh that are inscribed on that on on that in that temple but i just and i know it's strange that i you know, she's gone but like come on it's a fantasy yeah. world she's one of the most powerful beings who ever existed i don't think her story is done i think i would be wrestling more with it if that was the end of her story mm-hmm. but maybe i will be proven wrong but i i don't feel like it is yeah i'm with you i um I don't think it is either. I, I don't know if, I don't remember if he actually said she was gone or he just shook his head. Um, I feel like there's, it, I yes, talking over my own words. <laughs> um, but yeah, I completely agree that I, I like, I like her story. I think it's a very interesting story, but a lot of that is informed. Similarly, with the thought that she's not, she's not done. She's not gone. Um but I think it's very, very interesting. Yeah, and I just think I've I've learned that lesson again and again in these uh, really long stories, pop culture stories, of to say like, hey, if we have this vision that like, hey, eventually we're going to do another Avengers, or we're building up to, we're, they're most likely building up to this event called Secret Wars, and Scarlet, which is going to play a big part of that. But in this part of the chapter, we really want to lean into what happens if if she becomes, you know. Uh, possessed, possessing of and possessed by the Darkhold. Mm-hmm. And we want to go all out and enjoy that because this is this chapter in her story and another one's coming. Yeah. I want to just enjoy this for this chapter. And if years go by and she never comes back, I might I might have more thoughts about her ending. Yeah. If that story doesn't come, but I am holding out hope for that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Two other little just moments. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, just random things that I really enjoyed was burying the body of the other strange in the roof. 
Mm. And then was so handy because he needed him. Um, so uh, good storytelling. But I just I loved that here. We'll just move the the roof. And I uh, did also love Wong's comment of like breaking a lot of codes or permits or whatever he actually said. It was just like I also liked it after Wong had been through absolute hell trying to survive and contain Scarlet Witch. Well, Strange is off doing his stuff and he shows up in a rotting zombie corpse with a dead soul cape. <laughs> and Wong's like, I don't even want to know. And the right? fact that Wong's like, strange. He's happy to see. Yeah. You know, like, I yeah, I know there's a story. I don't even want to know. Yeah, yeah. I'll figure it out <laughs> later. But right now, I made it off the cliff. And yeah. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna defeat this together. So, uh, would you like to make a noise to sum up your obsession? Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, really hard. Uh, yeah. Done. It's a little scary horror sting. I like it. Because some other version of you just appeared in a mirrored surface. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> that That is one my favorite scary moment, by the way, the, the reflection of her in the window. It's so good. There's so, so There's many. So many. Um, man, did, did uh, just Scarlet Witch knocked it out of the park. Just so many great little moments. <sighs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, mm. one being the lowest, ten being the highest, at this moment in time, how obsessed would you rate yourself? Ooh, I'd give myself like a eight or nine. That's going to come down because there's just not room for everything. But I really love that first Doctor Strange movie. I think um, it, it, it's got this like slightly different energy. It's this slightly different perspective because it is the origin story that's happening to a middle-aged person <laughs> who's already got a lot of collected damage. Um, so I really enjoy the Doctor Strange storytelling. Uh, I'm on a real high because I, I really love this movie and I loved it so much more than I was expecting to. And for my two cents, it feels really different. I love superhero movies. I love MCU. I think everyone I'm going into, I am now a little bit more guarded of, is it going to be a little bit too similar or is mm-hmm. it going to be, is, is it going to start to feel too uh, similar? And I think this one was just, it was this linear, fast horror train with really interesting ideas that was just like absolute bonkers scary fun horror in a way that i wasn't expecting uh that i'm just it's really on on my mind and i can't wait to see it again wonderful yeah i think for myself i would say right now kind of a seven seven and a half i think that's probably going to go down um i a few of the things that i really look forward to are um see i hope that we see america chavez in more films coming up and yeah. I really look for I loved just thought that she was a great addition to uh, my understanding of the MCU and I cannot wait to see her again um, I cannot wait to actually listen to the score which Ugh. I've not gotten a chance yeah. to yet and so I'm really looking forward to that and I look forward to proposing this to you doing a rewatch of um, the first Doctor Strange movie WandaVision and then this movie oh that would be great like that that could be a weekend yep right so just so you know, I'm planning a weekend for us. <laughs> uh, I am all for the the Scarlet Strange weekend. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um, well, would, are there any quick plugs that uh, you would like to make? Where can people yes. find you? Yes, uh, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. That's all uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw are my handles. 
Uh, you can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. Info on all my upcoming uh, shows and comedy albums and stuff like that are on my website at josephsgrimshot.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephsgrimshot. Wonderful. And you can find me very occasionally on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so final questions for you. Um, stepping away from Doctor Strange for a moment. Okay, I'll try. If you can. If you could be reincarnated as a song, what song would you choose? Oh, wow. That is really difficult because I, I really, uh, I like a lot of songs. But which specific one? Uh, and then now I have the extra baggage of, uh, I want to pick a song that could be used in a fight if Doctor Strange needs me. <laughs> <laughs> to start throwing notes. Um, hmm... I am uh, going to go, a lot of my favorite songs are not who I am. They're expressions of a part of uh, uh, who I want to be emotionally. So I don't want to be like, welcome to the jungle. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be a rip-roaring song. Um, Yeah, uh, I will say um, the, uh, uh, a, I would want to be a Frank, Sinatra uh, song. Um, I would like to be one of the songs from the album uh, Nice and Easy. (laughs) I'll have to think of the the specific song. Uh, It is significant because Sinatra mostly did albums that are fast, upbeat, swinging songs or saloon songs that are sad. And Nice and Easy was like, they're romantic ballads that are somewhere in between. They kind of swing, but they're kind of melancholy too. So I'll pick a specific song. Which album would you like to be? Frank Sinatra is nice and easy. There you go. No need to limit yourself. Uh, I I acknowledge that that is a very difficult question. Great one. And I need uh, to be on the other side of these questions uh, so I remember what they feel like. Yay. Hopefully this one's a little bit easier. We'll find out. uh, Would you rather shoot flower petals or snowflakes from your hands? Ooh, flower petals. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I love snow, uh, but I have a complicated relationship with snow, mm-hmm. and I know how much you like flowers. Mm-hmm. Thanks, so I want to be able to uh, make nice flowers for you. Would you shoot flowers out of your hand when I come home and be like, look, it's raining <laughs> flowers. Yep. Welcome home. Yep. Someday you're going to come home, and I'm just going to be a record that shoots flowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird, like, is that a, a threat? Is that a promise? I'm, I'm not sure how to take that one. It's a dream of another version of myself <laughs> who is actually a, a vinyl record of Nice and Easy that shoots flowers. Well, I look forward to having that dream. <laughs> uh, final question, always on the podcast, what is happiness? Uh, wow. And that is really, really a Doctor Strange question, too, right. of uh, are you happy? I think one of the... the uh, answers that I got to that question a lot from people I interviewed over the years on this podcast, uh, I saw really reflected in the film is, um, it is not a goal. It is one of the many states that we find ourselves in and it ebbs and flows and it's temporary and you should enjoy it while it's there. So, uh, this sounds negative, but I mean it in a positive way. Happiness is temporary. <laughs> <laughs> That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. 
Okay, I'm going to take the interview mic back for just a second uh, to thank you for uh, interviewing us, interviewing both of us, (laughs) and writing up all these great notes about uh, Doctor Strange. Was this fun for you? Oh, so much fun. Okay, so do you want to do it again? Sure. Okay, this is great because now I have gotten so obsessive about these notes. Sometimes when I see a movie, I'm like, I want to talk about that but I have to do the notes. (laughs) So if you're willing to do the notes, uh, I thought this was great. Uh, I would love, I would love to have you do this again. Wonderful. I look forward to it.